Turn with me to Isaiah, the seventh chapter. This is the text for our brief homily this morning. We are roughly 730 years B.C. Isaiah is the prophet. He is speaking into a time of turmoil in the history of the nation of Judah. Our verse begins in verse 10, Isaiah 7. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Let's pray. Father, in the brief minutes that we have, we do ask for the help of your Holy Spirit to to translate this text written so long ago, its holy principles, its inerrant depth. Will you translate it, Holy Spirit, into our day, into our hearts, into the need that we have, heart, soul, mind, and strength, this very day. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. All of us at one time or another have been in a place of great trouble, a place where we struggled, a place where we needed to be rescued. Let me see if any of these ring true with events in your own life. Here in Mississippi, in Jackson in particular, your house was flooding. You remember. A grave medical emergency. A severe car wreck. We were taking our grandchildren to see the lights in Canton this weekend, and all of a sudden the traffic in front of us stopped immediately, and we were within a hair's breadth of a very, very bad accident. The Lord was gracious. Devastating health news. An unconverted family member or friend who is near death, and your heart is them, but you can do nothing and God must intervene. Forced into the closet and into prayer because there's a tornado or a hurricane outside of your own home. Or the hour when you came to Christ and you cried out to the Lord and you knew, but the Lord had to have mercy on your soul or you were hopeless. A whole host of other possibilities. We've all been in seasons of great turmoil and affliction where we needed the Lord's rescue. And our text is one such time in the history of Judah, this nation of Israel. It is a season of crisis in her life. It's a season of crisis in her leadership. 
Now, our text is in the middle of chapter 7 in this great book of Isaiah, and it needs to be placed in brief context. So let me tell you what's happening here. Turn back the page to Isaiah 6 and notice what's taking place. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah is given a great vision. So King Uzziah passes away. Any time in the ancient Near East, there was a king that died, particularly a good king. There was a crisis of leadership and difficulty in the nation's history. But Isaiah the prophet is given a remarkable vision of God. He sees God in the temple lifted up and the train of God's robe fills the temple from one end to the other. There's room for no one else but God alone. That's how grand God is. Isaiah sees the true king and he's commissioned to bring the word of the true king to the people of God. And then we come to chapter 7, and you'll notice in verses 1 through 9 that Judah is facing war against the king of Syria along with the splintered nations of Israel to the north. And so she's facing a desperate situation. King Ahaz and the people are filled with dread and with fear. And notice in verse 4 that Isaiah is to come to the king and to say to him, Be quiet, be calmed, do not fear, do not let your heart be troubled. Does that not ring a bell for us in John 14 when Jesus says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Isaiah is given this word of comfort The Lord is promising that Syria and Israel will not defeat Judah in this season. They will not conquer. And the call of God through Isaiah is to believe the Lord's promised word. And then look at verse 9 of chapter 7. Look at this clarion call to trust the Lord that's found there. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. I wonder if we should all memorize that verse and begin many of our days reciting that verse before the Lord and lecturing our own hearts with that truth. If we are not firm in faith, we will not be firm at all. And so we come to our text this morning, verses 10 through 14 principally. The Lord bids Ahaz, the king of Judah, to ask the Lord for a sign, for comfort, for encouragement, to encourage him that what the Lord had promised would in fact come true. It's in the form of a command. He is not given the opportunity to ask. He is commanded to ask a sign of the Lord. It's an offer of a bold gift from God. Ask what you will, however great, from the depths of Sheol to the heights of the heavens, anything in between, and God will answer. It seems as if Ahaz could have asked for a miraculous intervention and God would have come and delivered the very thing that he had asked. To make this request would have been a sign of trust on the part of Ahaz. And yet amazingly notice that he refuses to do so. He's commanded to ask and to believe in the promised word of God and yet he chooses not to. He chooses to lean on his own understanding and not that of the Lord's. 
Ahaz's heart is hardened. It is unbelieving. It is defiant. It is haughty. His unbelief bursts forth into rank disobedience against the command of God. He will not live in utter dependence upon the Lord. But dear ones, notice what Isaiah was commanded by God to do, to come to Ahaz and offer him support, offer him comfort and encouragement in his difficulty. God's intended sign was to be an aid to faith and to trust. But Ahaz wearied and tried the patience of God with his foolishness. Now, lest we are too harsh on Ahaz this morning, let me ask if you see yourself at all in Ahaz. I hope at some honest level that you can see that your heart is not so distant from the heart of Ahaz. That your heart and mine at times are iced over with a hardness to the Lord, an arrogance that puts our spiritual fingers in our spiritual ears and says, No, Lord, I have no interest in what you say to me. And we're unwilling to humble ourselves before the commands of God or the promises of God. You and I are in every bit as great a need as Ahaz and Judah were in our day as they were in their day. We need this rescue of God. And so we come to verse 14, which is among, if not the greatest, of the prophecies in all of the Old Testament. The Lord announces his sign despite the fact that Ahaz will not ask for it. Notice in verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, says Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, our English word comes straight out of the Hebrew. Im Anu El. With us God. It's a remarkable prophecy. It's the great prophecy of Mary and the son of Jesus and the name that designates who he is, that he is God with us. King David wrote in Psalm 23 several hundred years before, listen, I will fear no evil for thou art, finish it with me, with me. David is anticipating this extraordinary prophecy. He need not fear Because God is with him. Ahaz need not fear. Because God will deliver. The church need not fear. Because God will deliver. You need not fear. I need not fear. God is our deliverer. It's his promise. Of course, it's a mysterious and supernatural sign that only God can bring. Isaiah is declaring that God will bring his redeeming Messiah in his own time. And what he has promised he will accomplish. 
2 Corinthians 1, Paul says this, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. And so in the text that we read just prior to this passage, we hear the gospel writer Matthew quote straight out of this text in Isaiah 7. And a virgin shall conceive, and you shall call his name Im-Anu-El, with us God. But dear ones, the sign of God is now fulfilled. It was the deliverance for his people of old. It is the deliverance for the church today. It is the deliverance for you if you are a believer in Christ. And if you are a skeptic here this morning, it is your only hope. It is your only rescue. He is the only deliverer. There have been many deliverers throughout history, but they have all perished. There is one deliverer who will never perish. And if you are a believer today, you need no other sign from God of his rescuing grace that it is real and substantive and that he will change us. He will buy us. He will make us his own. He will make us his servants, delighted servants. There is no other sign that we need than this one that has already been fulfilled. So I ask you this morning, do you believe that you need deliverance? Do you believe that your need is as great and greater than even Ahaz's was? He was a king with a rebellious heart who was going to lead a nation of people whom God cherished. And he needed the one deliverer whom God could give to make it happen. You and I are exactly in the same place, though separated by a thousand years, two thousand, three thousand years. God has come, the sign is fulfilled, and we must not refuse the merciful gift that God has given. And when I ask you this morning, have you received this rescuer for justifying grace that you belong to him for eternity? But we need this justifying, rescuing deliverer for sanctifying grace day by day. And this morning when you woke up, you needed this rescuer just as much as you needed him yesterday. You needed him this morning just as much as you needed him on the day you confessed his name and gave your soul to him. The sign has been fulfilled. He is here. He is ours. We are his. Christian songwriter Chris Rice has written the most beautiful song about the incarnation, about Emmanuel, and I want to read four verses from his song, and I want you to listen to the imagery that puts in a modern context, if you will, the beauty of Emmanuel. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking. How we need to hear from God. Doesn't that speak well into our context, whether personally or in our cultural context? Tears are falling everywhere. Hearts are breaking everywhere. How we need to hear from God. 
You've been promised. We've been waiting. Welcome, holy child. Hope that you don't mind our manger. How I wish we could have known. But long-awaited holy stranger, make yourself at home. Please make yourself at home. Fragile finger sent to heal us. Tender brow prepared for thorn. Tiny heart whose blood will save us. Unto us is born. So wrap our injured flesh around you. Breathe our air and walk our sod. Rob our sins and make us holy. Perfect Son of God. Do you believe this morning that you need to have your sins robbed from you? Stolen from you? Buried forever. He is the only deliverer, the only rescuer, and the only God with us. Let's pray. Father, we have sung beautiful hymns and will again, but how we need them to be a reflection of what is true of our souls that we will not weary you with our hard hearts and unbelief, but that by your grace you would soften us, that we would be like Simeon and welcome Christ. Father, we ask that you'll have your way with us, whether we be 85 or 5. We all have need of you as if the only need we will ever have. Dwell with us now, we ask in Jesus' name.